so when we gather, whether it's pods, whether it's like this, these are moments for equipping. They're moments to raise up the body because we're all called to be ambassadors, right? We're not called to just be who we were. We're called to be who we are in Him. And we're called to know who we are in Him, which means we need to know Him. And if we know Him, then we're going to know who we are. We're going to know the authority that God has given us because it's all in the Son. And then we're going to live a kind of life that glorifies the Father because He's entrusted us with His Word. He's entrusted us to represent Him and so these gatherings are about the equipping of the saints. You're a saint if you've received the Spirit of God. You're not the saint on the TV program, but you are a saint, right? You're a child of God. You're a son of God, whether you're male or female. It's not about that anymore, is it? It's about the Spirit living in us and the Spirit building us to a kind of people who see His kingdom come. Right, so what we're doing there and praying for Lance and Andrew for one another, it's about seeing his domain come in us. Right, his reality that he had in him and you. Which means the way you see, the way you hear, the way you think, the way you breathe is extremely different to the way it was when you were born. Right, so 1969, a Simnor, 1997, I became royalty. I became a son of the living God. My identity shifted. My bloodline shifted. Everything changed in 1997, the 23rd of December, at 10 a.m. The words God gave me for this morning is this. Raised from the dead. And then he said this, raised to life. Raised from the dead for the purpose of being raised to life. So you and I have been given life for the purposes of God. To be taken from being dead to life. How do you go from being dead to life? In your own ability? In your own strength? Like, can dead people raise themselves out of the grave? So if dead people can't raise themselves out of the grave, how do you go from being dead to alive? Power. What kind of power, though? Like, is it sort of power, the 240 volts that you plug into the wall? Well, that's still connected to earth, isn't it? Is it the power to build that thing up there? Because that's still connected to earth, because who built it? We do. So what kind of power is it that takes you from being dead in sin and iniquity and raises you up out of a grave, out of the grave to life? Resurrectional power. So then you have to ask yourself, have I experienced resurrectional power? Do I know what it is to be taken from being dead to alive? Jesus did, didn't he? So did Jesus die? He physically died. 
and then he was physically resurrected, correct? So it's a type, isn't it? So when we die with Christ, we're then raised with Christ, correct? But that's not through our ability, is it? But that's what we've taught. We've taught that by praying a prayer, then you get raised from death to life. But doesn't something have to happen to get raised from death to life that's beyond a mental or verbal thing? Like I'm not saying that, that in that you don't receive power, but do you receive resurrectional power? This is the challenge, and I'm telling you right now, in the days we are in, in the days that we're coming, it's going to be the power of the cross that enables the church to stand, not a mental and verbal agreement with what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And it's going to be the most contentious issue on earth in God's people. Because only the power of the cross, which is the power of Christ within you, is going to enable you and I to stand firm and resist what's coming. Right? It won't be your ability, it won't be your intellectual understanding of the words on a page that will fail you. It won't be your natural ability, it won't be what you do, it won't be how much money you have, it won't be the beautiful property you may or may not own, it won't be about your car, it won't be about your clothing, it will be whether you and I have the very thing that took him from life and resurrected him from death to life. The very thing that took a man by the name of Saul, who was lost in his flesh, that was bound up in the earth and resurrected him from Saul to Paul, So this is the challenge, and this is what gets right at the heart of the issues of man. And this separates people. This type of word separates people, because you have to start asking yourself, how did I get here? How have I got here? Was it through my own ability and my own strength? We cannot heal Lance and anything that we bring to the party, right? Even Jesus has to give us the faith to engage in that process because it's the faith that God gives you that he reveals in you that you connect with, that you will then act because you need to know the authority that you hold to release and see someone healed. So we can't even do that out of our own ability. But in him we can. In him from being resurrected from a dead guy to a living guy, we can live. You see, there's two types of resurrections, isn't there? There's the physical resurrection and there's the spiritual resurrection. So when we die, it's all over, right? But you've got to get resurrected before you die. Because you're dead. So you're born dead. No? Yeah? But do you know you're dead? Spiritually dead, right? You're not living, you're dead. You're separated from God. So there's a spiritual resurrection that's required through the power of the Holy Spirit because it's the Spirit that writes on the heart, not the flesh. So Jesus was spiritually alive 
and physically alive, but he had to physically die that we could be spiritually come alive because we're spiritually dead. So he had to go through a process of being killed physically, raised back up physically, and it's connected to us that need to die. We're dead spiritually, but we're alive physically. Tracking with me? I'm not confusing you. So how do you go from being dead to alive? If you don't have the ability in you. And you take that and you go, if I don't have the ability to renew my mind, then what do I need? The same power that rose me from the grave. Because they are one of the same thing. They're one of the same kind. They're not different. It's not like you get raised from the grave and then start using your old mindset to understand God. It's all of the power of who? Him, and it's a resurrectional power, and it's not something you and I can do, but it's what we are to experience. It's not enough to agree with the words in the book. If you want to live the kind of life that we're going to need to live in the days that we're coming, right? And as I said, this is going to become the most contentious issue in the body because your mental agreement will not cut it. It'll be whether you've experienced and are experiencing this continuous resurrectional life within you. Paul said this in Philippians 3.10. He said, I want to know you, Father, more. There were three things. Do you know what the other two were? I want to know you. The man knew him quite well, right? He wanted to know more. He wanted to know the power of his resurrection. He's already been resurrected, but he wants to know it more. Why? He wants more life. Like how much life do you want? Because he's going to give in measure of your ask and your thirst. So you determine how much you actually receive. Because he's given us the spirit, the Bible says in John, without any limit. So much more life. And the much more life is going to be required in the days that we're moving into because when things start to fail you, when things start to run short, when you can't do what you used to do, you know when the tidal wave comes like it has in Hawke's Bay and wipes out stuff, guess what? We are going to be tested at a real measure. You see, it's okay because we're here and we're okay, yeah? Other people aren't quite now, but we're okay. And so you can look on that and you can have sympathy for that, but you're not in that. What happens if you're in that? It's then and there you're going to know what you've got. And only then and then will you know what you've got. And the days are coming where he's returning and he's looking for something. But we can just be like so casual. We're okay. Why? Because we've got Jesus. But do you have a resurrected life? And as I've said, this is going to be very contentious. And it's going to be the thing that separates those who overcome and those who are overcome. Right? There will be people, the church is called to overcome. What? The world. The flesh. And the demonic, right? Yep. So pride of life is within the flesh, the world. The demonic, he was the most one full of pride. 
because he wanted to be. So there are three opponents to you and I. You see why you need to be equipped? See why you need to come here and learn and grow, not just, as much as I love it, have nice connection with one another. This can't be about nice connection. You can't be looking for relationship as your number one with God's people because even that won't cut it when the day comes, right? Trust me, people will walk away from you who you have loved because they won't have what you have and the pressure of what's coming will separate. And Jesus said, I've come not for peace, but I've come to divide. I've come to find. I'm looking for a very specific kind of people who have I have taken from death and I have raised them to life and they have come into more life and more life but not based on the adequacy of themselves but based on the adequacy of my power I want to read you this verse that God gave me this morning and it's in 2 Corinthians you've got a book or your phone or an iPad or you know it then bless you and it's in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4. And it's just after Paul has talked about it's the Spirit that writes the Word on our heart and our mind, right? Which was the promise that Jeremiah gave us. Is that the days coming, guys, they're now. The days are now that the Holy Spirit is to write his living word on your heart and your mind. Not man. Not me. Right? So right now, God's using me to release his word, but it's the spirit that wants to write the word on your heart and your mind through your hearing. That's why I get you, got you to pray for one another that you would hear, not the words, but the word, because the word brings life, like it brings resurrected life through the power of the spirit. It's what we need if we're going to overcome now. It's not about the days that are coming. It's about the days now and the days that are coming, right? Your decisions today will influence your future. So you're creating your future today. By the decisions you make, you're creating what your future is going to be. So when the future turns up, guess what? You're ready. You're not found out scrambling for the thing that he gave you 15 years ago that you didn't realize you were given because you didn't have ears to hear it even though you were amongst it it didn't have the impact it was supposed to have so you find yourself not being equipped not ready for the day that you're in that's not to be us right because he told us everything in advance so when he turns up we are Ready. The bride has made herself ready for the return of her groom. But before those days come, there's a really bad thing happening on the earth, right? Why? So people can repent. Do you know the purpose of the Great Tribulation is for repentance? I'm just slightly diverting here. Because what happens to the church if you take out the Great Tribulation... And you've got the message to the churches, seven messages, seven letters, right? And God then returns, and there's no opportunity for repentance. What happens? How many churches got a glowing report? 
two. How many churches were there? Seven. So if Jesus turns up, only two are getting their reward, correct? Because five aren't ready. Because he's saying, unless you repent of this and this and this, so he's got to put something in play to create repentance in the church. I thought we had repented. I thought repentance was a lifestyle. Not a one-off decision that you made in 1997, but it's a continuous process of being changed because I'm continually pointing towards the sun and the sun is piercing and doing a work of making me ready because I'm equipped. So then I get a report like Philadelphia got. And this is to stir the church, but it is also for a lost world to find their creator, right? So what a loving father who gives us the tribulation to actually stir us up because if he comes between the gap, a whole lot of us probably aren't getting what we were entrusted to in inheritance because we weren't ready, because we didn't live for life, because we had no concept what it is to be raised from death to life. Was that a question? No? Jam? No? Oh. And feel sorry, free for ask questions, okay? So just like Greg, stop for a minute. I want to unpack this because this is all part of the learning. And the mum will push them out, eh? If they don't fly. Right? And we've been through a process as a church where God's been disciplining us to push us out of and into a new reality in Him. It's not new, it's new for us, it's not new in Him. This is what this whole thing has been about. In the selling of the building, releasing it's like it's time to move, guys. It's time, it's time, it's beyond this little nice services. We've got to become, and that thing's becoming such a hindrance, not the building, but the operating system of the heart and the mind that turns up to the building goes through motions, but it's not changed. So it's got to change, and God in his beauty has taken it away to do things with the finances we, we get entrusted to, but to change us. So to go back is to miss why. And that's the pattern of the entire story. The Israelites were constantly trying to go back because it was comfortable. God and comfort don't go together unless the comfort's coming from the Holy Spirit. That's why he gives you a comforter. Comfort? The comfort? Right? Paul was lashed five times, 39 times. Comfort? You're looking for a comfortable Christianity? What's that? It's not called Christianity. That's called man-made religion. So Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, after he's talked about you guys, Corinthians, are to be a letter, right? So the church is to be a letter that people read. So what are people reading when they look at your life, right? When they read you, what does your life tell them? Person of the spirit, person of the flesh. Which one? With living ink, so the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, on tablets of human hearts, right? So verse 4, such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not confidence in the flesh, right? Paul said, put no confidence in the flesh. Why? Flesh profits you nothing. So if you're putting confidence in your heritage, your bloodline, who you were, your natural ability, your job, your money, your finances, your marriage, your kids. If you're putting that, your confidence in that, you're in trouble. Because all that can move and be shaken and taken from you, correct? It can go like that, right? 
One minute Hawke's Bay's fine, next minute it's not. Within seconds the water went from here to here and people have lost their lives. That's how fast it moves. So that's how quick you and I life can change. So if we're putting any confidence in us, in our natural, in the earth, right, in the dead reality, because the flesh is dead, right? Earth is dead. Do we agree? Yeah. You don't sound very convinced. So if earth is dead, why do we live for it? Because we don't really know it, right? We haven't yet got something of value that trumps through a resurrection. So we, all we know is to live for earth because that's all we've got, because that's all we put a value in. But he wants to take that with power and he wants to give you something brand new that you don't yet have, which trumps earth. And you're no longer found eating earth because you've got eternal. And the eternal that you've got is miles better because it's living, active, sharper than dead stuff which produces nothing in you but thinks you've got something. And want more of it. Thanks, Maria. And that comes from knowing, doesn't it, Maria? You know, right? You know because this thing in us, it's part of your flesh. It's your enemy, right? So the thing you've got to overcome is the thing that's in there that speaks. It's thirsty. It's hungry. It demands feeding. It's like a child. Right? Feed me, feed me, feed me. And there's a war that rages, the Bible says. And so you need resurrected power to trump that sucker because you can't trump it in your own strength, no matter how hard you try. If I just try harder, I'll overcome myself. No, you get resurrected power and you no longer live. So it's not about, and I had this chat with Steve, how can the flesh change the flesh? How can the flesh overcome itself? If it's dead, you can't raise up dead. It's dead. It needs another source. So just trying harder from the flesh doesn't bring you into life. It brings you into more death. But you don't realize it. So then you try harder. It's called religion. And we think we can't be religious as God's people. Love conquers everything. And that starts with self. That's right. It's a new operating system. You see, through power, you get love, you get a brand new operating system. And you're naturally released from the thing you were hanging on to. And now you've got something else to hang on to because he gives it to you. This is the whole beautiful thing of Christianity. We talk about doing. It's done. No, no, no. It's a doing. No, it's done. And if that's not heard through power, you'll mentally agree. And you'll be out there in an hour doing. Because mental agreement and verbal agreement isn't enough, guys. It's not wrong, but it isn't enough to bring you into this thing called resurrected life. And Paul said this, such confidence we have through Christ toward God that we, not, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. Right? Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, 
But our adequacy is from who? God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the, spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. <coughs> not adequate. I'm not adequate to do a lot of stuff. I can't run anymore. Can't play football anymore. There's so many things that I'm not... What? <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> not what the medals say, bro, but anyway. <laughs> I'm not adequate to do many things in the natural, right? Never mind. We're talking spiritual. So if I'm not adequate in the natural to do certain things, and the spiritual is a whole other dimension... What chances have I got of being adequate in the spiritual if I'm not resurrect, resurrected and given power continuously like Jesus was? Because he was fully man and fully God. He did everything from the power of God working in him because he came out of the wilderness and the Holy Spirit and power, which tells me there are two things in one that we need. Right? So it's not just about having the Spirit in you, it's having the power of the Spirit operating in you continuously. Otherwise, if we had both, if we, we claim both in one, then do our lives reflect that? So we go back to this letter, don't we? So there's a wrestle, isn't there? And it just depends on whether we were to really want to wrestle or whether we want a continuous, nice, comfortable Christianity. And the challenge or the opportunity we get is God wants us to be in the type of, in the kind of Christianity that he died and rose again for us to know now. And. It's good having two mics. Eh? This is all going to be done through revelation and power. And my head's going, and that's not of the spirit, but, <laughs> but my head's if I'm really honest, my head is saying, but my flesh still keeps rising up. Oh. And, uh, but at the same time, I know that this has been perfected in me. Am I keeping engaging in this? What, I have to make a choice at some stage. He, yeah, yeah. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Well, first thing is you've got to know what revelation is, right? So you've got to actually receive revelation, not think you've got something because you learnt it humanly. They are not the same thing, right? So revelation is given. You didn't have it, now you've got it. Okay? So if I went, Jeff Grove, have you got the finest blue pen to write on the whiteboard? No, you don't have you? There you go. Have you now got it? Can you actually go use it if you know what to do with it? You can, right? Now, if Jeff cannot acquire this unless I give it to him, right? So go on, Jeff. Acquire a blue pen for yourself from there. Don't move from the seat. Uh, I'm a little bit stuck, right? Now what we do do is he would then go, this is what humans do, this is what the flesh does. Jeff would get, put his shoes on. He would go, where can I buy one of these? Right? He would grab his car keys, he was out the door, 
Steve would be in his way with his big truck. He would maybe get past the truck and he would zoom down to the warehouse. He would go buy one, everything in his own strength, everything in his own ability. He would come back and he would start writing on the board. That is everything in his ability. Revelation comes when you don't do anything apart from ask, seek and knock. You're waiting and you are given something that you have never had. That's the whole deal. Otherwise, we do not need him. If that's not the way, if you and I can do it, then see your Holy Spirit. Don't need you. I'm cool. Don't need to be raised from death to life because I'm alive and well and I can access this eternal realm from me. Why do you need God? You are God. That's offensive, Greg. Well, it could be the truth. Are you still the God of you? Are you still the strength? Are you still the source? Are you still trying because you don't know what really revelation is? These are the types of questions we must ask knowing that he loves us, right? So he's not punishing us. He's loving us in the hope that we would come and he would, as Maria said, give you love, give you himself, and that would change you. And then you would glorify the Father because you'd realize, I didn't do this, but now I'm so alive, so I'm going to glorify God. This is amazing. Can I have more? He says, sure. How much do you want? Well, you want it all because I died for you to have it all because I want you to love me with all. So then you are found there because you know what revelation is, not human learning, which is everywhere. And you're being taught by Christians about human learning as well. So then when one turns up who is sent from God, as Paul was, right? Not from the earth. So Paul told us this. He said, I'm not from earth. I was a Saul. Paul is a brand new created being. From the agency of who? See why you need to know what's in here? Because I could just be lying to you, right? I'm quite convincing, I think. I'm charismatic. I'm quite exciting. I could just say anything and you might go, yeah, yeah, this is really good. And I'm leading you astray. Galatians 1. Come on, me, just so you know I'm not. Anyone got a question while we're finding Galatians? Just after Corinthians. Yeah, so, so you, you can't change you, right? So we are to be a letter of the Spirit. So our lives are to be like a letter. Our lives, we're to be like, you call it whatever you want, signpost, you can call it an example, you can call it, we're a physical representation of God. Right? And so how am I going to be that? And how am I going to live that out? How am I going to live out who... I am in Christ, not who I am in Greg Simnor. By the Spirit, which means I need to know the Spirit. So the Spirit's power must have taken me from death to life. And then the Spirit's power through the Word is going to change me. Otherwise, I'm going to live as Greg Simnor and not as Greg in Christ. So otherwise, I've got no ability to access and live the life I was called to live, right? 
Is this making... Yeah? Because we're not called to just be little people. We're called to be extremely humble, but we're called to be giants in the Spirit. Right? When we walk into a room, the darkness is to tremble. Because the one living in us is building himself in us, right? So people go... I had this once at the gym years ago. My very young state got so excited. And the guy said, bro, I'm just training. He goes, bro, there's light coming out of you. I said, it's Jesus. He went, and took off, right? So what happens when Jesus is being formed? Paul said in Galatians 4.19, I'm in labor. Like, are you in labor for others? Do you labor in the spirit for other people? See, this guy did. Because he'd been taken from death to life. Like as Saul, he didn't really give a rip. He was trying to kill you and I. But when he becomes Paul, because he's taken from death to life, and he becomes a letter, and he becomes an example, man, now the man's in prayer a lot. Because he's got something that he knows the church doesn't have. He knows his fellow Israelites don't have. Like they're like him. So he sees a whole lot of Saul lights. And God sends him to the Saul lights. God sends him to himself. So then the man is in prayer and petition for those that were like him. Because he's got this love in him and this power in him. And he's got this light. So that very man says, I am in labor again, which means he's constantly in labor. Ladies, you've been in labor. You go through labor and then you do it all over again and all over again, maybe all over again if your husband wants more, right? <laughs> he goes, I'm in labor again until something. What does he say, guys? Until the Christ is formed where? In us. So if Christ is being formed in you, how do you think you can live? Do you think you're going to be bothered by the flesh, the world and the demonic? I build my church and the gates of Hades overpower the world, the flesh and the demonic. The church Jesus is building through revelation, through power, overcome. They're not overcome. So if we're being overcome by things, it's okay. But don't stay there because you were called and designed to overcome through resurrection power. So then the question is, am I being built? Because if I'm constantly being overcome and the promises the church I build overcomes then there's a gap between what he's saying and my reality, correct? There's a gap between what he wants in you and wants to do in you and the way you're living. Now, there's this thing called love which covers the entire thing. Thank you, Jesus, but don't take it for granted. Don't go, oh, well, I can just continue to live as always live with my priorities and what I want. He goes, no, 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 no. For I did not die and rose again for you to just continue living the way you want to live. I died and rose again that you would be my people, my position, and that you would live the way I called you to live. And guess what? That will involve a whole lot of suffering. I don't think I want your version of Christianity, Jesus. I quite like, or I took the part from it that said, I don't want to go to hell so I'll take your son. I took the part that said, I want a healing. I took the part that said, I want this, this, and this. I took the part that was, bless me, Lord. Then that's it. I don't want the cup of affliction. I only came here for the cup of blessing. 
Do you know the cup of blessing and the cup of affliction are the same cup? You can't have one without the other if you truly want to be Christ-like, but you can as a Christian. But if you want to be Christ-like, you will go through everything he went through. But that's okay because he's going to take you from death to life. He's going to empower you out of your adequacy and into his fullness of his ability to live something that you can't live out of you. Now, do you then still want his version of Christianity? That's the question. And many people, guys, won't, and they will say no, and they'll be comfortable with what they've got. Does God still love them? Yes. Right? It's not a love issue. It is this way. It ain't that way. Right? So it's not a love for God loving you. It's you loving him. But he knows that. This is what amazes me. He loves me in that state, right? He doesn't remove that love even though I don't love him enough to want what he wants. So then he's got to give me what I don't have to want what he wants, which is back to Revelation, right? So who gives eternal food? Chris? The Father, the Son, right? What's the kind of food that we create and make for ourselves? John 6, 27. Why do you work for food that perishes? Because that's all we know how to do, God. We like eating rock food. That's all I know how to do, right? Okay, that's cool. But I'm the one that gives eternal food. What does that mean, God? Well, let me show you and teach you what that's going to mean because you can't make this own food, but you're going to continue to work for something you can't produce. And it's all through this thing called resurrectional power because you're taking from death to life and then you learn what it is to grow in life, not death, right? So many Christians are trying to go backwards to go forwards instead of going forwards to go forwards. Oh, I need to unlearn. No, you need to learn. No, no, I need to unlearn before I can learn. I need to die to self before I can live. Wrong. You live, you die. But you've And where'd you get that life from? Right. So then you know that life, correct? And you know where to get more life. So, all right. So if you're in that life and you know where to got that life, you won't be going back to the way you were. That's the challenge though, isn't it? Like, you go buy that, you're not going to McDonald's to buy that if you know where you get it from. So why you turn up at McDonald's trying to buy a blue pen? <laughs> Say it again. Sometimes you just feel like a little bit of McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> And then you regret it afterwards, don't you? There you go, see? It gives you life for all of about... That's right. And you still do it because that's how smart we all are. Right? And that is beautiful because that's the thing that's in us, right? Why do you do the thing that's killing you? Like when I was in Cambodia once at the airport, I remember this, like cigarettes. I used to buy cigarettes for my dad years ago, right? And the warning, I don't even know they had a warning on them. 
then. I'm not sure, I can't remember. It was like 1976 and 77. So then I'm going through the airport in um, Cambodia, and man, there's a crate of cigarettes in the, in, the, in the shop, right? And the warning is plastered all over it. These things kill. Like it's like, first thing you see is this warning with yellow tape. These things kill. And there's like horrible pictures of lungs and stuff, right? So they're telling people this stuff, but we still do it. That's the thing in you that you can't get rid of, eh? I don't want to do it, but here I am. Why am I doing this again? I'm trying to get to a certain whatever, and I'm eating this stuff, but I can't stop it. So there's a resurrected power that needs to come, that needs to release us from us, and once you know it's happened, and now I know where to get it, I'm found there. I'm not saying you're perfect, right? I'm not saying it's about living this perfect life, but I know where to access, and I know how it comes, because the how comes through the Rodney. The how comes through the who, not through the how. Right? You don't look find how in the how, you find the how in the who. Because the who shows you the how. Now here's the thing. This comes from Rodney. I can't claim this. It's brilliant. Who? Spell who for me. W-H-O. Spell how. H-O-W. See how subtle that is, the difference. Change one letter. And now you've got a how and a how. Or a who and a who. God's amazing like this, eh? Life comes through the who. We're all looking at the how. Do you know the how is the fourth thing in the process of the divine? Why do we start at the how? How, Greg? Man, if I, if I ask this question, I put 50 cents, I'd be a billionaire by now. The amount of Christians that ask me the how, and I tell them the who, and then they tell me the how, and I tell them the who, and then the next day they go, how, 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 how. How is of the earth. Who is of the eternal. If you want to know how, get to know the who. If you know the who, you'll know the how, and you'll never ask the how again. What else will you know if you know the who? You'll know the why. Why? Why? Can I go swimming, Dad? No. Why? Can I have cake, Dad? No. Why? Why, 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 why? Children know this stuff, right? But he said... Not why am I or how am I. He said, who am I? Then who are you? So if you don't know him, you won't know you. Because life comes out of the who, not the why, not the what, not the when, not the where. But that's where we're all looking because we're still highly functional. So even the thing around revelation is like, right, if I've got revelation of the who, on the revelation of the who I build my church, I know where to go. I know where not to go. And the more I'm in the who, I'm going to know how. And I'll know where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there, and I'll live from the who. Sounds like Christ. Sounds like Dr. Zeus. Sounds like Dr. Zeus, couldn't Ollie. But you swap one of these around, and the how becomes your first. And the who becomes your fourth. And I'm sorry to say, but many Christians live from the how, and that's why you're not in life. You think you know the who. You think you've got them down pat. But who do you say I am determines the life that's within you. 
because it's on the revelation of the who, right? So we go, I got him, now I've got to go do some works for him. But if you haven't been taken from death to life to resurrection power, then you're probably going to do all the works in your own strength, with your own thinking, with your own ability. And that just leads to what? Disillusionment, entanglement, loss of life, death, ultimately. And you get so frustrated. So then what do you do? Some quit. This thing don't work. No, it works. It's just you're not in him. You then try harder. Right? There's one, eh? Let's just try again. It's called insanity. And then you get the same results. You found back at McDonald's again. And then you're just fed up and you give up and you go to McDonald's the entire time. <coughs> oh, who gives a rip? I'm just going to eat that rubbish and I'll be all good. And then you have a pity party. Right? And then you sit in your own mud and you're like, no one cares. He's like, no, no, you have to see the issue lies within. And I came to solve the issue from within, not from without. And I came to do a work of transformation from within you. And that can't just be a mental agreement with what I did 2,000 years ago. That has to be a living experience of what I did 2,000 years ago. Because Paul said this, the gospel I only knew through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Not through some guy preaching. Right there, he is telling you in Galatians 1, 11 to 12, how he went from Saul to Paul. How he went from death to life. So when Paul received Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what did he receive, guys? What kind of life? So he got resurrected. So when you heard the gospel... Did you receive the person or the words? Not enough. Not enough to bring you into this resurrected life, right? Gets you covered, doesn't get you crucified. Doesn't get I crucified, right? I still lives, but Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live because he received Christ who is the power of God. You cannot separate power and Jesus because the scriptures tell me he is the power of God. You can't separate Jesus from wisdom because he is the wisdom of God. So you need Jesus more. And just saying yes verbally to acknowledging, yes, I'm a sinner, I recognize that, gets you covered, but it's not enough to raise you up out of death into life in the way that I'm preaching about that he wants you to live. And Paul didn't say yes to a message. He received the messenger. And the messenger is the power of God. So Jesus said, I am the resurrection, did he not? And the life. So if you receive Jesus, you get resurrected out of you into him. In him you start. Wow. Now that is a whole different dynamic to now living on earth. Because you're taken out of you, into him, now you're in him. And I would have you do this. If you want to just do two words, in him, look everywhere in the scriptures and Paul's letters and you will see it, in him, in him, in him, in him, in him. What is this in him life? Right? Because in him is joy. In him is peace. In him is rest. In him is everything that that song sings about. Through his name. 
through being raised from death to life. The who, not the how, not the why, not the when, not the where, not the what. The who. Do not leave ever the who. The greatest mystery is who. And in Christ is all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2, 2 to 3, 4. And I tell you this so no one comes along with empty philosophy and leads you away through the traditions of man, which looks like Saul, but it's not Paul. It's people that come that know scriptures but don't know the spirit. They've got their version of the scriptures, not the Holy Spirit. They preach scriptures, not him. You see, him, the word of God is what we need. I don't need scriptures, I need him. Paul said, I preach him when the father chose to reveal the son in me before my mother's womb. What? I was called and chosen before my mother's womb? What are you talking about, Greg? To live an earthly life or an eternal one? Raised up to an eternal standard by power, not through my ability to understand concepts and scriptures and stuff. Before I was even in my mother's womb, I was chosen and called for a life that's eternal. Which means I was born outside of eternal. And God wants to bring me back into eternal that I would know what an eternal life is through the eternal one who is the eternal son. So I have fellowship with his death. I have fellowship with his resurrection. I know what it is to have died. I know what it is to have been given life because I not birthed myself. I was given birth so in the natural. I could not birth myself, right? I was conceived through my mother and father, but my mother had to give me life. She had to birth me. If, I didn't birth, if she didn't birth me, we're both going to die. So I did not give myself spiritual birth through a mental agreement with a dude that died 2,000 years ago. I was not interested in him. No relevance to my life. None, apart from getting me out of jams, right? So then this power comes, and it takes you from death to life, and you know you're dead, not because you know you're dead, because he shows you you're dead. But the mercy of God to save a man and a woman that are trapped in the kingdom of darkness and rescued out of darkness into light, not through an ability of a mental decision, but through someone else's capacity. Someone else's work, not mine. How can dead people make a decision for God when they don't want God? goes against everything of the will in me. I want my will, God, but I'll use you. Right? So you can choose from that place of, I'm choosing you for me. I'm going to choose God for me. For what I want. What I'm going to get. What he's going to give me. Why are you here? I heard there was a feeding of the 15,000. I'm hungry. Oh, okay. What about you? Well, I heard you were healing people today. Right, okay. What about you? Well, I've got this 12-year thing going on and I'm here to get healed. He goes, love you, bang, love you, bang, love you, bang. Now, three of you come to me. Oh, no, no, no. I just bought a tractor. Know where we're going? Huh? I just got married. Oh, okay. And I just bought a farm. Huh. So relationships possession and property get in the way. But I just gave you what you asked for. 
I gave you what you asked for because I love you and I love you and I gave you what you asked for. Now would you come to me and ask what I did that for? Would you come and know the who? Would you come and know why? Like are you more interested in me or you? Now I love you but are you more interested in you than me or me or you? Which one is it going to be? It's a question he's asking. He's always been asking. He has to continue to ask it. And he goes, you don't have what you need. So come to me. Because I want to do something in you that you may never have experienced yet. But in saying what you said, and whenever, five years ago, 15 years ago, my love was covering that. But there's something way, 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 way deeper that I want to do through my resurrected power that's going to take you from that to life. And I'm going to take you out of that miry clay that you can't get of, that you're constantly in all the time, called your flesh. And it is a constant work, but then there's a work, right? So there's a work, and then there's a constant working to perfect the work. So when God says, I'm going to finish the work I started, it's not what you started through mental agreement. It's what he started through the power of his spirit. So I'm going to finish the work I started in you through your inadequacy when you turned up as a broken vessel going, I can't do it anymore, I've tried. Meaning I can't live life here on earth. I've done it, I've tried the Christian thing, I've tried the non-Christian thing, I've tried the other thing, none of it works. He goes, I've been waiting. Isn't that what Paul says out of Timothy? Paul, he says, I, my life is the demonstration of God's patience. You can't get a greater example than the man that wrote 13 letters testifying, not teaching. Right? Is there a difference? Yes, he testified of what God did in him. We try to mentally grasp it. How can you grasp the work of God in a man who's testifying of a reality that's eternal? You can't. You can't enter into Paul's reality because Paul didn't enter into his reality through Saul. He entered it through the power of who? The Spirit. That's why he tells you, guys, I received all this from a revelation of the person and a continuous revelation of the person, not mentally trying to understand words on my testimony on a page. I cannot give Steve my testimony, can I? I can't take Steve back to 1997 and before that, can I? Right? I can't. I can't give him what he's done in me, taking me from being dead to life. I can't, but what can I do? I can testify of it. We think testimony is just 1997 at 10am on the 23rd of December, right? And we just preach that forever. Oh, the testimony is that. No, your testimony is that and everything he has done in you from that that he's perfecting until the end. So he's going to show you everything that's in his son. You will testify of the bride. You will testify of love. You will testify of joy. You will testify of rest. You will testify of the millennium. You will testify of everything of the word of God in you through the power of God. And you will testify into the earth, hoping that people in the earth called the church are going to hear it.
Then you will get on your knees and you will be found in praying prayer for yourself, for the church, that the church would hear it. Because you're preaching and you're praying from your own testimony. Not, I need a message for Sunday because I'm supposed to be teaching. So let me give you three points of the how. So you can try and access what I'm talking about through three clear points and a nice DVD that make you feel good and leave you empty. It's not the way of heaven, guys. But it's what's been taught for years and years. And the reason why we like it is because we can connect to it. Right? Your flesh connects to flesh. It can't connect to spirit unless you have spirit. Right? That's why you love it. Tickles the ears, makes you feel good because you can do something about it, right? I can now hear that and go and what, Chris? Apply it. How are you getting on with that? No, I hear it. I receive it. I accept it. I believe it. It performs its work in me. And then I live. I don't apply it. It's being applied in me. It's just coming out of me. So I love this man, not because I'm trying to love him. And I don't love him when things are going well. I love him when things aren't going well, right? Just using him as an example, not that we've got anything between us. (laughs) Hear what I'm saying, right? When he becomes my enemy, can I love him? Can I pray for him? Right? You should, but can you? Right? This is the challenge, isn't it? Not because you should or could, because you just can. Because you're not trying to love, love just coming out of you because love's being formed in you. Because you're in the way of heaven, which is revelation. And you're receiving more and more and more of the word which performs its work in you to those who believe. So this is 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14. It says, we believe the word that came out of the mouth of man for what it was, the word of God. Not mentally agreed and we all nodded and no, no, there was a living conviction because the word I heard pierced went to work. I might I believe, therefore I speak. 2 Corinthians 4:13. I now have the same kind of faith. I'm now moving in the direction of the word I just heard. So I'm a hearer and a doer of the word that I received, right? You tracking with me? Is it too much? So you know, hearing and doing. This is what we do. Steve, I want you to go next door and love the neighbour, right? So Steve hears that and he goes and does it. Does that mean he actually heard the word that was being spoken and from the word that he heard and received in him, goes and loves the neighbour. So it's the word that empowers you to love the neighbour, not out of Steve. Track him? So when it says be a doer of the word, you've got to hear the word to be a doer of the word. It's not just hearing an instruction, running off and trying to apply that instruction to your life. You can, right? But then there's no life in you. So you can do that in a moment, but can you do it tomorrow when the boss comes to Steve, not the neighbour who's a nice guy, and the boss comes and says, you know what, we're actually going to move you out of your role. 
Now, if you hear the word that was spoken, you can. Because now you're a doer of love, which is really a beer of love, because you received the word that enabled you to love in accordance to itself. You're not an empty vessel trying to apply something you don't have in you that you can do in your own strength while the other person is nice. So then it's based now on behavior, isn't it? So my love then is based on behavior, not on love itself. So if God loved you and I based on behavior, we're all in trouble, right? So God loves us based on what? Himself. So that's the love, agape. <laughs> that's awesome. That's the love three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's what he asked, agape, to Peter. Do you love me? Yeah, no, you don't. Do you love me? Yeah, no, you don't. I know you don't love me the way you're called to love me, agape. You only love me phileo, which is a brotherly love, and I need to do a work in you, but there needs to be a death first so I can impart something in you called me, love, agape, so you can love your brothers, the very command I gave you that you didn't want to do, and you said, why can't I come with you? John 13, 34 to 35. I've got a new command for you, Peter. What's that? Love these guys like I love them. Why can't I come with you? Got a new commandment for you, Peter. Love these guys. Can't go where I'm going. Love these guys the way I loved you. Why can't I come with you, God? Not interested in that. Didn't even hear that. Don't even have that in me to ability to do what you commanded me to do. Right? So then he comes back and he says to him, Do you love me yet? No, yeah, no. See, Jesus knows all things, right? He will get you where you need to get to if you let him. If you and I can get out the way of ourselves and everything we think we know and everything we believe we know that's not producing life, he will get you where he needs to get you, just like he got the disciples. Trust me, he will. It's what he said he's going to do. Because he loves you. But he wants to raise us up to a standard that's called faith. And anything beneath that standard is called sin. Right? to miss a mark, to miss the mark to which grace wants to elevate us to. To live beyond the earth, to live beyond a sinner reality, meaning, oh, here I am at McDonald's again, or here I am drinking alcohol. Those are behavioral stuff. I'm talking about something greater. To miss the standard that you are called to live by called faith in the Son. That's the standard, guys, not a morally correct life. Hear me, I'm not saying go out there and do those things. Can you hear what I'm saying? The church has taught, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. That's what makes you a good Christian. Jesus says there's no such thing as a good Christian. None of you are good. And by the way, it's not about trying to be good. It's about living by faith. And so to live by faith, you need a thing called revelation of me. And without it, you're just going to be good, morally correct Christians. And then what morally correct Christians do is they point the finger at all the unmorally correct Christians and those in the world. Going, you're not me, you're not me, you're, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm yeah, better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, right? And we think that's it. And we become so proud of ourselves and we stand up for God and whatever. And he's like, you're all missing it. It's about a standard called faith. Anything less than that is to miss 
the mark to which I called you to live, which you can't live in your own adequacy, so you need my resurrected power to live a life I've called you to. And I want to take you from being dead to alive. Then I want to make you more alive, more alive, more alive, more alive, more alive, to the point where you can say, like this man, Paul, who after that passage I just gave you, and I'm going to finish here, says this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He's talking about glory. I've got glory from the image, because remember who's writing what on the heart? So he's telling you, he's testifying. We have, whoever these people are, he knows. We have this knowledge of the glory of God in us, so that the surpassing greatness of power will be of God and not from ourselves, right? So the surpassing greatness that you're seeing within Paul is of God, not from himself, right? Then he says this, we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. When this is in you, you're afflicted in every way, you ain't crushed, right? You're perplexed, but you're not despairing. You're persecuted, but you're not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Does that sound like an overcomer? So although there's all these things going on in your life, because you are living in and for me, right? you will suffer as a follower of Jesus if you're truly living for Jesus, because that's what Jesus patterned. But he says, I'll give you something greater than what you've ever known. And what's in you called me is greater than those things. I read that and I go, everything in me screams, I'm going after that. But I know where to get it. And it's not at the warehouse. It's not at McDonald's. It's in him. And only in him. And so it's about, Lord, here I am. Show me. Show me. Give me. I'm not here to learn in the sense of trying to figure it out. You need to give me what I don't have. Because I read reality. I know I can't live. But you're calling me to live it. It's out of the boat, isn't it? It's not in the boat. It's on the water. Amen. So Lord, the work you do is perfect. And it starts with being raised from death to life. And then a continuous process of life to life to life. And God, in these days that we're in and moving into, we're going to need to know the resurrectional power of Jesus like we may never have, or we do know, and we need more of it. And I pray, Father, that we would take the time to seek the way we never have before. And that our lives that might be massive would perish in comparison to the value of knowing you. And like Paul, who got the revelation of Jesus, said, man, being a Hebrew of Hebrew, being of the tribe of Benjamin, is rubbish compared to knowing who I was born, how I was living as an earthling, as a Jew, as one who thought he knew, 
is absolute rubbish compared to now knowing you and coming to know you. So Father, I pray that you would give us what we don't have. I pray we would be found seeking and asking and knocking and then relinquishing the things in us that need to be relinquished to you, that you can do what only you can do in our hearts and our minds. We ask this in accordance to Jesus Christ, the name above every name. Amen.